Very cool, man. Well, shall we? Uh, we shall. Oh, we shall. Covenants made shall simple. Shall we jump in? Second to last chapter before we begin reading our next book, Where the Red Fern Grows. <laughs> yes. So. Did we decide? We decided on Truman, right? I yeah, need, yeah. I need to well, order that. Was, that. Yeah, I just started Do you guys that have yesterday. that book already? I started reading it yesterday, okay. actually. So I have read half of it, start. but don't worry. I've forgotten most of it by now. Can you text me right now and just say Truman? Yep. <laughs> then I will do that. Remember. Then I will uh, remember to order it. Um, I need to do that. Sounds good, boss man. So this is the chapter where Chase becomes Presbyterian. Not yet. <laughs> is that <laughs> that's not right. Yet. Wait, wait, wait. We have budget issues, so I know. we're going to hold There's off a little bit. Because we're of budgetary issues, I can't convince you of Presbyterianism yet. Uh, Doctor's important, but we got to get the budget in line for I, I, I was telling you, I saw Trenton, and uh-huh. uh, I just, I was like, hey, man, just, you know. Maybe you could come back to lacrosse and you could uh, be my like office manager, admin. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, but you do have to wait. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because of budget issues, you, <laughs> you have to wait. Have to. My wife was literally laughing about this this morning where she was just like, I, you know, for a while I just prayed that God would provide opportunities uh, for me to just have uh, more uh, young men around that I could disciple or not not necessarily young but like yeah. men who are interested in the ministry yeah. and and things like that um, that we could you know at some point work with at Christ Covenant and, yeah. and it seemed like like I just like I meet so many guys now that I'm like this is there's so much opportunity for that but then I was like, I need to stop praying. It's like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's too many, many people. There's too, there's too, there's many, too many people. That I want now you got to start praying for the funds. I need the money. Bring the funds. I was like, I just we need to start anymore. praying for the money for the church that we can. That's like all I pray for. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That bling bling. Man. All right. So, chapter 10. Who are the covenant people? Yeah. That's a good question. So just to start us off, um, in that first paragraph, he says, uh, Jesus does not save people one by one, only to put them into individually sealed packages like a row of Barbie and Ken dolls on a toy shop shelf. Instead, he binds them as closely to one another as he does to himself. And so this idea of being in covenant with God um, creates a covenant people, right? I mean, it it brings people together. It doesn't uh, separate people. Uh, And... uh, that's why if you're still watching sermons online, you're not going to church. Mm. Just putting that out there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole, you know, we were brought into, like you said, a body, a covenant, a congregation of believers, not, yeah, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to preserve this one and then saran wrap it and, like you said, put it on the shelf like Jaunty says you're kind of... Well, I don't know. The original Greek is a little unclear. <laughs> Ecclesia can mean watch service from home. So, I don't know. Have you, have watch you, service you, online. Whatever it is. possible. Right. Yeah. Pos- possible in the semantic range <laughs> like, in the first century Greek. Called out ones, it is uh, actually uh, stay home. That's right. Stay home That's ones. Right. Stay home ones. Stay home ones. <laughs> Staying in. Stay in. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. A bunch of people are like, Going on Lagos right now, like checking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pull out of the blue <laughs> Wait a Bible. Second. Does that's, it really say that's that? Not right? <laughs> yeah. No, I do love that line though about um, this closing one that you just read off there, Michael. Uh, he binds them as closely to one another as he does to himself. Uh, that's just that's just a really sweet thought yeah. of like I think yeah, just the idea of like adoption and like uh, uh, I think J.I. Packer was the first person to point out to me how important and how overlooked the theology of adoption is in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. But then moreover. He points out in this chapter, knowing God, like you're not adopted as a, you know, an only child or a single child. You're adopted into a family of brothers and sisters that now you are called to live with and to love and to care for and to uh, demonstrate the worth and the power of the gospel in your unity with them. Yeah. Which, yeah. Just to think though, that yeah. would like be in like a net, like just a normal family though, right? Like this idea of, oh, I have this, I have my own relationship with Jesus. You have your own relationship with Jesus. What? In a sense, yeah, okay, that's true, like, but, like, if your kids, like, think about if your kids were, like, so individualized, like, like, your family wouldn't function if it was so compartmentalized like that, like, you know, your one, your daughter was like, hey, like, I have, you know, know, hey, to her brothers, well, I have my relationship with dad, and you have your relationship with dad, it'd just be weird, like, there's, like, like to have not have any cohesion because like well we're, I just I have 
my way of doing things with that, and you have your way of doing things with that. Yeah. It's just like, what? no, that's that's not how this works. You're, you're, yes, you, we have all have personal relationship with Christ, but we are also brought into His family, right? That consists of all believers. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder if uh, the idea of I, I don't know. This is a chicken or the egg kind of a thing, um, but. Uh, what you do have right now is actually in families, you have that dynamic building more and more yeah. where each person, right? So each child is in most homes, like you've got your own room, you've got your own uh, like things that you do, you've got your own friend groups, you've got all of your own things. Uh, and especially with the nature of, you know, the way that you know, school mixed with uh, you know a lot of organized sports which are not wrong necessarily but the way that it well if it's like, soccer well I mean yeah, yeah, right yeah. that's, that's I mean, what I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> right, right we all assume that's right. <laughs> we all assume that Marxist sport was not included <laughs> that's right um, but no yeah individualism yeah but, well yeah. exactly there uh, <clears throat> when you have uh, things where you're each spending almost 100% of the day completely apart in your own things. And even at church, you probably have your own age-based group that you're a part of, mm-hmm. and you don't really hang out with or take right. part in the rest of the worship of the church. You have yeah. your own little place, your right. own little group. Um, and what this actually has done and continues to do is over time, families are actually, yeah. it, like they are individualizing, mm-hmm. right? They are becoming kind of their own. And it almost is becoming a thing where the only connection is still that, yes, well, I have a relationship with my mom and dad. Right. And you have a relationship with my mom and dad. Right. But there's, a, you know, we have some relationship, but it is minimal compared yeah. to what mm-hmm. it could be. And so, um, I, you know, I think it just makes it conceptually difficult for people to understand. However, yeah. I also think that, like, people naturally long for and want that, like, a covenant, right? Like, they mm. want community. They want... Yeah. You know, um, this is why there's so much draw for right. for things like, uh, you know, how how often, you know, as a military guy, how often do guys, like, they're able to take part in the kind of brotherhood that you have in the military. Yeah. And then when they lose that and they don't have that, they're kind of lost and they don't know what to do. Yeah, it is weird, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, just coming out of the military, I didn't realize when I transitioned out of the military how how strong that connection was. Again, not that I... There's a lot that I did not agree with, you know, on, <laughs> with the guys I worked with, yeah. like their world, their worldviews and stuff. But I think the things we did naturally brought us together. Like the difficult, hard things we did naturally brought us close together. And you had that like sense of belonging community. You wore the same uniform. You had the same haircuts. You know, you kind of spoke the same language. And then like to leave that, and then. You know, it was it was harder than I thought it was going to be. I didn't realize like how much it would affect me. Right. Um, but yeah, because like you said, we we all do long for that sense of community. Um, and unfortunately, well, even it's it's so ironic because the thing that's pulling us away from actual like flesh and blood community is our desire for community online. Yeah. Which is like it's still the desire for community, but it's actually having the opposite effect to what we want it to have. Yeah. It's like we're we're trying to like win the approval and like the friendship of people that we'll never like actually interact with and face to face or right. actually meet, and then at the same time we're sacrificing the people that are you know all around us mm-hmm. that God's put in our lives. And it's it's kind of ironic and sad. Huh. It's like we're we're searching for community. What's well, like staring us in the face? You know what I mean? So mm. yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah, so he goes on to, you know, point out that, hey, yeah, you know, he's, this is under the section of Jesus, one body, uh, that, you know, yeah, there's, you know, different denominations, and sometimes there's reasons for that, but from God's point of view, there's only one church, the Presbyterian Church. Presbyterian oh, Church. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, wait, yeah, okay, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I missed I just uh, misread that's that. That's not part. yet. That happens later. I did write it in myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that is my hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sorry about that. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he infers it. He infers it. In, good, uh, good and necessary consequence. In quoting right. Ephesians, it's just a, assumed that that's right. What he meant. Right. Good, good and necessary consequence. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, no, but it was helpful to think about, you know, from God's point of view, I mean, you do have his one people, right? Yeah. But there's, and there's, there is good reasons. Like, actually, the very idea of denominationalism is the idea that, hey, we still have some kind of connection to each other. Yeah. We just have disagreements that, like, we probably can't operate, you know, on the day-to-day mm-hmm. level together. Right. Um, but we're actually not saying we're divided, right? Sometimes it's said, well, uh, yeah. Protestantism, well, you've got all these denominations. Right. Well, that's the no, denominationalism okay. is actually founded to say, hey, we're actually still in the same faith. We still have that kind of unity. Yeah. Um, but on the you know more day-to-day practical level, we actually have to, it, we just can't practically work together. You know, yeah. at least not yet. Yes. And so um, it's at least a way that we can maintain a certain level of connection. Do you feel like that's practiced well um, when there are a number of denominations with, like who would call themselves Christian denominations with whom you wouldn't participate in fellowship, whether that's yeah, yeah Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or even uh, some of the more uh, extreme liberal cases of, of denominations? Do, like, do you think as... Uh, Christians, we should be clear in like our um, brotherly support of other denominational churches that which we we would partner and link arms with. And if so, how do we do that practically? Yeah. That is such a good question, yeah. and I don't know how to do it. Right? Sure. Like I don't know how to do yeah. it well. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I do think that it would be good. Like I actually do think that there's some. <clears throat> this is a problem. Is that usually like ecumenical work <coughs> is almost always done in the direction of. Uh, <clears throat> Of, like getting to the least common denominator almost mm-hmm. like hey we're just yeah. gonna not like um, we're, we're gonna try to blur the lines or something like that yep. um, and probably part of it is that like today most people are unable to they're unable to actually like be friends with or friendly with people that they disagree with sure. right everything's taken on a personal level in a way that and probably just because we're all so insecure about mm-hmm. what we believe yeah well right. you think i'm stupid if you don't agree with what i believe <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. you yeah. must yeah. right yeah it's just everything is taken personally yeah i mean that's you know i don't think that that's healthy or good or right yeah. um but it's also not good to then you know within that you know kind of more uh, ecumenical, hey, let's all try to work together kind of world, it's like, well, we're just going to, uh, we're going to soften in all kinds of ways, right? So, like, when I go to, like, you know, inter, you know, pastor groups or something, and you've got people that, like, well, like, this guy denies the Trinity. They, he's, like, he's not <laughs> you a believer, be right? Like, that's, 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 like, number one. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, that's, like, number one, what makes us what right. we are. Right. Uh, and so part of the problem is that, too, that, like, just the walls have just broken down completely. Right. Yeah. And But then there are things like, you know, uh, maybe issues, uh, differences in, uh, you know, understanding the sacraments, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about yep. in this chapter, or other things like that that, that <clears throat> are very important um, on a, like, local church level that you have, you know, like, a, a kind of unity. Yeah. Even denominationally, I think, is important. But you can do a lot of the ministry of the church with others who you disagree with on this level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is that is not actually uh, yeah. um, at the heart of things, right? This, this is not Apostles' Creed level. Um, and so I think that's what makes it difficult, is just those blurred lines. If, if there was a way that we could work it where it was like, hey, look, we're very firm and clear in what we believe. We're not, you know... Um, we're not budging on it at all. Right. Like we've drawn really hard lines, but there are places that we can work together mm-hmm. and show the unity of faith, even across those lines. Um, I think about you know um, work um, work in the area of like uh, trying to end abortion or things like that. Hey, what if we all like started to work together, um, really intentionally in a unified way here? Uh, that could be done. I think. I think that could be done. <clears throat> Uh, but it's, it almost always goes to the doctrinal level, like, well, let's just figure out. And if I'm honest, so one of my thoughts on this, um, you just got me off on a tangent. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my thoughts on this is actually that um, <coughs> like pastors are usually the people that are trying to lead this and do it. <clears throat> I actually don't know that pastors are the right people to do that. Hmm. Uh, because part of the job of a pastor is to be the keeper of the line, right? Like to be the keeper of the boundary. And... So, like, that's not something that, um, it's not that you can't, as a pastor, work with other pastors or something. It's just that um, 
when it comes to the level of actual ministry, like you have to be firmer on the line than other people necessarily yeah. have to be. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to more like lay ministry, when it comes to some of these things like, you know, trying to end abortion or, you know, um, or something like that, um, then it's like, oh, I feel like that can so easily be done. And um, especially by lay people in the church, um, that you could show that kind of unity of faith across church lines without it being like, you know, we have to agree doctrinally um, to do this. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I think it's important, like you said, to make the distinction between who says they're Christians and whose actual actions and beliefs match up with biblical Christianity, right? Which is kind of a redundant term, but because there's people that will, like you said, you mentioned, like, well, people that say they're Christians, but like the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, those clearly are not, those people are not actually Christians, mm-hmm. even though they say it. Sure. They say that, that oh, we're, you know, we're just another subgroup of Christians. Like, no, you're not. You deny, you deny basic biblical doctrine. So it's like, that's not a, that's not a denominational thing. That's a, that's clearly a belief versus non-belief. Um, liberal Christians. I mean, there's a church downtown here that plasters the rainbow flag all over their front window. It's like, you're not Christians. Right? You cannot you cannot sit there in good conscience and be like, we, we follow Christ, but we reject what his word clearly says in this, 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 in this point. Right? And you're, 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 a, you're a church in name only. Right? You're not. So there's a difference between that and then, you know, someone that, hey, we disagree on Calvinism. We disagree on baptism. We disagree, you know, uh, some other secondary issues. But we're still, like you said, it's an Apostles' Creed issue. We're st- we're unified on that. Like we could go out on the street corner, shoulder to shoulder, and preach the same gospel. Like there's that's different. Yeah. Right? So, um, like we could be unified with them. Again, it might not work on a day to day level, right? Like you probably wouldn't be. Those guys probably wouldn't be co-elders at the same church, right? Um, just because they disagree on those things, and those are important. But on the, you know, on those fundamental things, there, there definitely can be unity. And I think there's definitely I have plenty of friends that are I disagree with on those issues, and like we're, I would not hesitate to consider them brothers in Christ. So, I mean, we don't we don't agree on baptism, oh, Chase. Shoot. So, well, we did so, five months ago. We did five months so. ago, and then. <laughs> I flip flop. I'm I keep currently flip-flop. a Baptist, but keep, we all know where this is going. I keep, I keep, I keep flip flopping, but but it's like we're unified. Like we're we're brothers in Christ. We're sitting here talking about mm-hmm. this, and it's like we disagree on a secondary issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, so but like what you said, Michael, I think was was spot on. Like we can, there's things we can be, we can go and we can link arms with, but maybe like some things like you said like would we be elders on the same church right. board probably not but I think what makes it hard okay. for people is that like they don't know how to handle again we just don't know how to handle um, having true close relationship to somebody yes. that we do have fundamental disagreements with yeah, yeah. and I know that there are lines for, probably for everybody the lines are a little bit different in that way right like who you're even just able to get along with and continue in relationship with and obviously it's hard for instance if you know if I know somebody that has fundamental like disagreements on really important things right I've got a lot of you know Roman Catholic friends or or things like that where it's like actually on the most fundamental things we actually agree right yeah. again like Apostles Creed level stuff Nicene Creed like we can okay we can get there uh, but also like like there are things that are just outside of that right like that are you know, they're not so outside of it that I think you can't be saved, but they're they're close enough that I'm concerned about uh, about a lot of what you do and what is central to your practice. Yes. Um, and like that can be hard, yeah. right? But like we can still be really dear friends. Uh, but I, the friendship can't actually be built around those things. Uh, right. At least not usually, <clears throat> right? Like it can't be. We can disagree and we can learn how to disagree well. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, what often happens is you try to build unity around the things you're not unified in. Yeah. And you can't actually do that. Uh, that's not actually, at least not where it can start. Yeah. Maybe you can grow to be, you know, unified um, in, in other ways. But it has to start with, hey, where are we? Where are we in together, right? Where are we together? 
where are we in the foxhole together yeah. uh, shooting at each other um, let's start there yeah. and then see where this goes right mm. yeah uh, mm. anyway nice well important of course we know to love people from other denominations other local churches but also the point of this chapter seems to center quite a bit on loving the people within your own church on 147 I love Jonty closes yeah. the last full, well second to last full paragraph there don't kid yourself that you love the church or even that you love Jesus if you're not prepared to love the particular people he has put you in fellowship with Whew. sizzling well sizzling but I am the church because I'm a believer, and so as long as I love myself. That's right. That's right. Where one or one are gathered. Just like. Uh, Where me, message. myself, and I are gathered. Yeah. Right. Me, myself, and I. That's three. That's right. three. Right? Two, yes. or three. Oh, two or three. That's the Trinity, right? That's oh the, my gosh. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And, uh, and it's welcome over. to modern. Welcome to modern America. Oh, Chase just got zapped. He's gone. He's gone. God fried him. Oh man. And yes. the people rejoiced. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the people rejoiced. Righteously so. Uh, yeah. No, I, he's, you know, he talks about the, uh, how in scripture, you know, the, the church is spoken of as both the right. universal church, the right? Catholic, all believers, yeah. the Catholic church, yeah. um, but also individual congregations Particular are assemblies, that, right? Like yeah. they can be referred to in the same way. Yeah. Right. And that's a huge, I think this is a huge, yeah. uh, a hugely important way to understand scripture that you have within the individual local community, Right. in a sense, the whole, right? It's right. not the whole, but in a sense it is, right? It, right. Is, it, it is like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I'm trying to remember, he makes that argument just for listeners who don't have the book. Um, he, he references uh, in Paul's letters, he doesn't refer to like, Corinthian, you part of the church, or or Ephesian, you part of the church. But rather, when he when he sends out his epistles, he does say you as the church, using the term almost comprehensively, which yes. helps us to understand. Yeah, we can use this term both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I was uh, a little bit convicted on one forty eight. Um, following that last thought. Yeah, he writes about how easy it is for us to um, segregate particular people who are, he says, less socially able, less intelligent, less wealthy, we effectively say get lost, yet these are the people to whom Jesus was happy to unite himself. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> the, the real gut punch. Are we honestly going to look at a part of Jesus' body and say, not good enough for me? Imagine Jesus walks into a room. Would you dare look at him and say, Jesus, great to meet you at last, but I don't like your ears. And for that matter, that nose is pretty hideous. That is effectively what we're doing when we subtly cut off people in our congregations who we don't instantly take to. If Jesus welcomes them, so should we. After all, we have no more right to be in covenant than they do. Yeah, yeah that's good, man. It's, it's hard for us, um, especially on that level of, well, if I personally don't like them, like if we're not mm-hmm. going to be friends, right? I'm not going right. to don't don't share other interests. spend a lot of yeah. time with them or hang out with them or invite right. them over, um, then we can't. How, you know, how am I supposed to be right. covenantally tied to them yeah. in the church? Yep. And yet that is actually exactly Precisely what the church what is yes. for, yep. what you're called to. Uh, and, and very often, this is why God provides people in the church. All of us know people in churches that we've been a part of that are like, they're really hard. Yep. You know, yeah. like they're hard to, yeah. to deal with and figure out. And like, I don't want to spend a lot of time with them. Right. And usually, especially if you feel that way, God will actually make you. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. he just does. 100%. He, 100%. He will make, like, that person will, for some reason, really like you, probably, right. and want to spend time with you. Or yep. they'll, whatever. I don't, you know, God works in different ways. But right. it does seem like he goes out of his way to do that. Yeah. Um, this is one of the dangers in, you know, when you have a church that caters to, uh, you know, maybe particular groups, particular uh particular demographics, uh, demographics yeah. Yeah. like it can turn into and this is particularly true of those churches that have a lot of younger people uh, because generally speaking younger people are they're just more cliquish right so like mm-hmm. a college age young adult um, groups of people tend to be more cliquish tend to be more like well if we don't like somebody we can't right love them and spend time with them right um, actually you can't and uh it's it's not maybe the most fun thing you've ever done, um, but 
actually you grow to like it. Yeah, and it's sanctifying. And, yeah, yep. it's yeah. sanctifying. And you grow to actually like people right. uh, when you devote yourself to them. And you know, yeah. when you start with love, I think you know C.S. Lewis says something about this. This is more general, I think, but you know, he just has a uh, a bit about this idea that you know sometimes you basically have to fake it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you have to just start acting as if mm-hmm. you love somebody right and what you're going to find out is you'll come to love them right, right. Like you, but you have to start by trying to be obedient this sounds like the four loves to me yeah, yeah. It probably yeah. is <clears throat> yeah that's great yeah no on, on that note of uh god oftentimes bringing in those extra hard to love people i feel like that's the role i played for both of you so you're welcome for that that's <laughs> God keeps thrusting Chase up on I thought you were saying the other way, right? Like, like both of you yeah. are so Yeah, I hang out with two guys every week that I don't oh, like. Oh, they're insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> Holy teeth, but... <laughs> I'm trying to be saying... Trying to go and say... Oh, nice. I, yeah, 47, he talks about... It's relatively comfortable to accept that you're knights to Christ, to Paul, to Luther, even to Christians thousand miles away in another country. The great oh, right. thing about Luther is that he, he's rather unlikely to want help decorating his lounge or pop round. That's definitely British. Pop round. Pop around. <laughs> pop round. No, pop round, not pop, pop, pop around. Pop round. <laughs> for a chat when you're dying to have a quiet night in. And it's so true. I, I think about it. We're so apt to be like, oh, man, John Calvin, Martin Luther, like... Man, these guys. But honestly, if we were like in their congregations in real life, there's probably times where like I held beliefs, and probably even now, that some of those guys would want to see me dead. Just well, and on a personal level, yeah. like you wouldn't like Luther. Mm. Yeah, probably I not. think I would. I think <laughs> I just, he was pretty. Funny. But, he's but so if funny. I was on the if I was on the receiving end of but probably some of not his, right. Like, his writing, I would, know, I, this, yeah, it would probably not go yeah. well. I'm like I'm German enough that I think maybe I would enjoy it. But like if you're not, yeah. if you're, like mm-hmm. that guy was really. German. Or if you're even a little bit <laughs> Jewish, you could be in trouble. At all. That's right. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there are things that like, yep. you wouldn't like him, uh, but yeah. it's easy to pretend. Like right. the perfect church out there is, you know, the reformers right. or is, yeah. you know, this yeah. it would whatever it is somewhere else. Right. or whatever. But it's like, but it's but it's easy to say that when like I can grab him off my shelf, right? You know. Read it, read him, and then put it back, and only touch it when I want yeah. to. Right. It's like, you're in total control. You're in total control of yes. my interaction with these dead men. Oh, praise God for them, right? Like, yep. Praise God for a lot of these men. But I'm, I'm in total control of my interaction with them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, what about the people that are like right, right. in front of me right now? It's like there's th- there's an element where like I can't control my interaction with mm-hmm. them, and like I think that's that sometimes bothers us and annoys mm-hmm. us. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is a problem. That's right? that's because we're not in control. We're, we brought we up the online, like you know, yes. trying to find online that's, community. Yeah, exactly. and I actually do think that there's a way in which, like, the internet can connect you with people that um, otherwise you might feel alone, or you might feel like, man, I can't find anybody that's you know mm-hmm. that has similar beliefs, right? Like, there, I mean, yeah. the the internet was massive when it came to um, bringing a lot of us into the reformed world, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we never would have been connected to this without it. However. If it just stays there, right. uh, like it. So, in other words, it can it can have a help helpful effect. But when you try to just build community, quote unquote, or you say like, "Well, my people right. are the people online," it's the same thing as with a book or yes. something like that. Right. You, you have control, control the access. You can yeah. just turn it off. You can just stop talking to somebody. You right. can just disappear, and you can create a persona of yourself. Right. That, that, and almost always you will, <laughs> because to know somebody truly, you have to know them directly you have right. to know them in a way that you see all of them and it's basically costless as well yeah. and it comes to that for like it what does it cost and if it does cost you anything yeah like you said i can exit the window i can close the tab like it 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 doesn't come out of any sacrifice to you yeah yep good yeah um so he talks about the different forms of church government circles uh, chains and pyramids yep independent presbyterian episcopal um, so he describes the independent churches as if they're kind of like a circle, right? So they're, although they may have connections to other churches, um, they can just be totally, right? There's no authority. There's no, mm-hmm. um, you know, accountability. Um, so they can just cut that off, right, um, if they wanted to. Um, so it's like they are kind of the church as an individual church um, to a, maybe to a kind of extreme. Uh, Presbyterianism, he kind of... Uh, speaks of as a kind of chain mm-hmm. so there's links but there's still like you're you are your own entity right you've got your own kind of piece of the chain 
Um, however, it is linked to more than just that, right? Mm-hmm. So that you have both both of those elements. Um, and then the Episcopal being more like a pyramid, he said. So there is a unity, there is a connection, uh, but it's also a connection that like is not a, you don't actually have any kind of, of uh, you know, autonomy is not the right word, but like you, you know, that you think about the image of a circle or a link in a chain, and this is something that is, it's got its own piece, right? Like it's, it's, it is on its own in a yeah. sense. Um, it is full and total in and of itself without something outside of it. Um, whereas with the Episcopal, Episcopal form, you don't, I mean, if you, you know, if you're not under a bishop or archbishop, like you, yeah. you you're not in the church, right? Yeah. Like that's how you define what it would be to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not a pyramid scheme. But it's not a pyramid. It's not a pyramid. It's top down. <laughs> top down. It's not a. It's not a pyramid scheme. The Episcopalians are just one big pyramid scheme. That's hilarious. <clears throat> That's hilarious. We do have Anglicans listening, so be oh, careful. I apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah, come on. I, Jeez. I'm sorry. Man, Some I'm of just... our main listeners. <laughs> Can we still be unified? <laughs> oh, that's mm. good. Yeah. So he obviously um, argues for Presbyterianism uh, with the idea there yet. Like there are, it's true, there are bishops, elders, teachers, pastors mentioned in scripture, uh, but those terms are used interchangeably. Um, he mentions Acts 20, Titus 1, Titus 1 especially where you have clearly the, uh, you know, the qualifications for an elder mm-hmm. and both the word for bishop and elder are used in the same list as if they're the same person. And so, um, you, yeah. you know, uh, we can take from that that these are actually the same, the same thing. Um, and then, you know, uh, and then he, you know, talks also about how there's also, you know, at the same time, this, you know, the Acts 15 kind of situation where you have all of the elders yeah. with the apostles coming together to make decisions that will affect everybody. Yeah. Um, and so somehow you have to fit those two things together, right? You've got to, you know, and this is after the church has begun to grow outside of Jerusalem, right? It's yeah. not just as if it was like, well, as long as it's one city or something like that. Um, and they're still, maybe they're like, you know, they were like a mega church with like satellite campuses, but they came together for an Easter service. That's or, right. Know, That's right. Like, no, this was actually, there were churches outside of that. There were a lot of churches also did not have things like satellite. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Were you talking about that, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Man, so I, every now and then, on my social media, I'll be flicking through reels or whatever, and I'll see a Mark Driscoll thing come on there, because his, his social media seems more popular now than it was before. It's getting bigger, man. And He's you know what's weird? Increasingly so. Every time that I flick past a Mark Driscoll reel now, I see, it'll say at the bottom of my screen, more of my friends follow yep. him than the last time. And yep. I'm just like, do, are you, do you know about... <laughs> Are you familiar? <laughs> Dude, he's, it's going to be even more. So sure. weird. Sure. Especially within the, like, like he's hitting, he, he's an incredible marketer. He really yes, is. Yes, um, yes, Really, really good at marketing. And he does have his finger on the pulse of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that Matt and I talk a lot about. But he's, I mean, he, particularly for young men, mm-hmm. there's going to be more and more guys yep. following him because of the kind of stuff he's saying. Because he's doing it to appeal to them. Right, right. right. Uh, like, he did that in the kind of punk rock Seattle like he rebel against authority side of things and then everything fell apart and now he's doing it again in the maybe in the more like you know red pilled like right you need to be have, have you two done a reaction video you and matt done a reaction video yet to the video of him from a recent service where he was just like talking about the conflict in israel and like the the lamb and the lion he's coming back this time you know he's got his his old school mark driscoll written oh, yeah. you know everything behind his back have you guys reacted we to that did a, we did a whole whole episode on that whole sermon so good. we listened to the whole sermon oh now i have to go back and listen to the reaction <laughs> yeah. now okay you have to go check it out so it's, good uh, it was really bad <laughs> yes oh that does not surprise <laughs> it me it's really bad but also you know like it's clear why it's appealing to people mm-hmm. uh, and why people are looking for this kind of thing sure but no i mean he's getting in i mean he's you know he's like we you know we have this theory that he's basically just trying to work his way into a position on the blaze media like he's trying gotcha. to get his own show yeah. um, so he started to just do a lot of that kind of stuff right like right-wing personality type talk. i did see somebody comment on that video and they said if you close your eyes it sounds like alex jones yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it sounds like is yeah, like just his inflection and uh, just everything behind he actually it. does have a lot of that too yeah hilarious that's uh that's interesting. That is interesting. But anyways, I thought of that. Sorry, satellite churches no, um, being in Acts 15, tuning into this conference. This is restless, yeah. so you always uh, 
can make those always, connections. Yeah, we'll back. Um, what do you guys think of his, you know, Chase being from... Oh boy! Like a independent, you know, free evangelical congregation. Mm-hmm. Us kind of coming out of that. Like, do you think he gave a fair shake to the the different positions? You know, explaining it well. Mm. I mean, I you, you take any beef with the way he kind of presented everything? I don't want to. I think I want to be careful on this particular uh, chapter not to try to represent something I haven't studied super well. Uh, fair. Um, yeah. That I said, your take, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. That said, on this particular topic, I, it does feel like the EFCA, so that's the uh, denomination I'm affiliated with, which, yeah. frankly, in terms of, like, Baptistic denominations, I'm actually a pretty big fan of compared to a couple of the other ones next to it. So I grew up in the free church, too. Mm -hmm. We have, I'm sure we'll have folks Mm -hmm. listening that are, you know, either still in the free church or or have some, right. And so, yeah, huge huge fan overall for yeah. sure. to that extent of course the EFCA really does push autonomous churches that's the whenever they're like describing what free means that's what they say and so yeah, to yeah. that extent yeah we see the the circles that Rose writes about but yeah. also I think there are some some chain link aspects to the way that the EFCA yeah. drives itself as well um, well I, I think I've noticed that, like um, there is definitely congregations that are kind of out there and like it's us against the world which mm-hmm. can be problematic but I think for the most part like, like the EFCA and like mm-hmm. other you know, free denominations like that. I would say they, they still try to do, or even like the SBC, you know, they're like, oh, we're, we're autonomous congregations. Mm-hmm. But they even try to like, you know, they, they recognize that they need to have some sort of link to right, other structures, some yes, authoritative, part, right, so right. Do, you know, not that they have a Presbyterian form of government. Um, sure. But, but they still like but they recognize. they should. They like, <laughs> they, like feel it. Like, <laughs> they, um, they have these, like, yeah, like, like, it's yeah. like baby dedications. Like, yeah, well, yeah. we know that... <laughs> We just did that this last week. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's that sense of like, hey, like we're, we are, even though like we, we, we hold to the conviction that, you know, these congregations should be like autonomous and stuff, yeah. but we still recognize that we need right. the other local congregations. Right. Right. Which is and that's great. Right. And it's yeah. super important. And I do think um, like the Free Church does a better job at this than some. Um, and obviously you have the extremes of maybe certain, you know, like. Well, I even think of, I mean, just the two biggest churches in the city in which we reside are both Free Church churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're very different yeah, in how yeah, they yeah, practice yeah. Right. these models. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you'll have that, right? And you'll have, even when you're trying to have a connection, when you, you know, I think he does a good job in the sense that, like, he does, like, the, I mean, the the ideal in an independent church, like, it's, it's not, it's not seen as a bad thing that you're a circle, right? Like, it's not seen as, like, a, a yeah. negative that, no, we're, like, we are autonomous, right? Like, mm-hmm. we can be autonomous fully. Um, that's not a, that's not seen as, like, a negative thing. And so when he describes it in those ways that, yeah, it's like a, you know, kind of in and of itself alone, like, it it can have connections, but it doesn't have to, yeah. right? Um, to be to be what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, that's actually just how you would describe it, right? Like that's and it's actually seen as a as a value mm. in in yeah. a lot of these circles. Um, now, I do think, especially as time goes on, what happens in a denomination is there's usually more and more recognition that you need a deeper connection. So mm-hmm. I think this is happening in the free church. Mm-hmm. And like when you think about historically how something like the free church forms and how it you know coming out of out of uh, you know state churches and like mm-hmm. trying to be like no we need right. some of that autonomy mm-hmm. um, where there's not that 100% direct uh, direct kind of authority mm-hmm. that is much more Episcopal right, right. so um, especially coming out of Lutheranism you know Lutheranism is is more Episcopal although it's kind of a mix in different ways yeah. uh, but it does have some more Episcopal Episcopal um, kind of characteristics Um, like trying to move out of that you can understand how the emphasis would be on no we need more autonomy Mm -hmm. Um, and then especially as especially the free Lutherans kind of met up with you know the uh, Baptists especially in the kind of uh, D.L. Moody kind of era you see how this would happen Uh, but especially as time goes on as a church matures I think you just recognize, oh, we need more connection. We need yeah. more oversight and accountability. Derek? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we need more, you know, like of that. Yeah. And so even I think in the free church, it seems like there is more of a, oh, we need more, you know, like the, okay, the denominational office all of a sudden has a little bit more to do with yeah. reaching out to churches right. that people have concerns with or things like that, mm-hmm. that, um, <clears throat> that there is more and are trying to do more, right? And instilling yeah. like, hey, we need it. Let's get our pastors together more regularly mm-hmm. for different right. times to connect and work together right um so anyway I, I think you see that over time it just it's like 
I mean, how many churches start off as like, hey, we're going to be a house church. Yeah. And it seems like this ideal that especially mm-hmm. when you're young, yeah. you're like, yeah. whoa, this will be great. Everybody's a yeah. part of it and we're all – because yeah. it's like you and your buddies, right? right. Like it's you and your oh, friends. Oh, it's going to be perfect. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we're and, we all agree so well. And if you don't blow up or become a cult, right. which is like you know, pretty common, yeah. 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what happens over time is you're actually like, oh, we probably could use greater connection, yeah. whether it be locally right. or just more. And so usually right. you end up for, like end up joining a denom- denomination of some kind because you're like, we need more help. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And so I think it just comes with maturity, realizing that. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, things like the SBC or whatever, like they have, they're, you know, we're, they're, they say, oh yeah, we're a group of autonomous churches that, you know, cooperate together or whatever, but they still have a Baptist faith and message that they all have to agree to. Um, you know, we even saw like this last year, like uh, Saddleback Church and mm-hmm. uh, Elevation Church, like we're, well, I think Elevation left after the controversy with Saddleback, but there was like a whole thing about, you know, Saddleback and what they were doing and how it was inconsistent with the Baptist faith and message. And then they were disfellowship right so it's like you still had that denominate like as much as they say oh, we're not a denomination well you still kind of had that like hey here's a standard yeah. that we all hold to and you're not holding to it like you need to get in line or we're not going to get in line with that okay then you're, you're we have to you know disfellowship which right? is so weird because Rick so, Warren made such a good case at the SBC <laughs> it's so good yeah. <laughs> then Muller comes up and just millions millions of pastors yes thank <laughs> you <laughs> thank you for reminding us of that Rick yeah. <laughs> he's the <laughs> where are all those millions of people? we should have a lot more churches right uh-huh. now Muller yeah, has trained his thousands yeah that's right Warren <laughs> his <laughs> millions that, the there it is millions. <laughs> <laughs> the song of the people yeah. Father the Son and the Rick Warren uh, Oh, man. So good. Yikes. All right. Um, so the question he comes to is just, uh, then how can you tell covenant who are signs. members of this one covenant community? Right. Yes. So moving on from how it's structured um, on the greater level, how do you actually tell who's in and who's out? Um, and so this is where we get into uh, baptism. And and he talks a little bit about, you know, the visible... <laughs> <laughs> Chase just flipped the table, so. Uh, right in the middle of the coffee shop. Classic. <laughs> Everyone's Classic. Man. Of course, he starts by talking about circumcision, right? Looking yep. back to the Old Testament. It was meant to be a sign of having faith, therefore having been justified, the physical sign of the spiritual reality. Yes. Yeah, and so um, this is true in the Old Covenant, um, and this brings him to talk about the visible versus invisible, that even in the Old Covenant, you have uh, clearly this reality where there are people who are in Israel, but not of Israel, right? Like they're, they're uh, covenantally a part of the people covenantally even tied to God right there they are a part of the worship they are um, they're they're held to the standard and laws of everybody else um, and yet their heart was far from the Lord um, which is why Moses has to say at times you know you need to be circumcised apart right you need to um, yes this this actually has to penetrate the heart it's not enough to simply be physically circumcised or something like that um, and so you have that element of okay somebody could be visibly a part of the covenant people of God but not have mm. the reality that that sign signifies mm-hmm. um, and it's still serious right if that person uh, leaves it um, it's still serious uh, that you know they are called to believe mm-hmm. but uh, but it's not that's not everything right, right. it's not uh, it's not yeah. everything um, so he says this is on page 153 Mm-hmm. Uh, before the new covenant he says anyone who was physically descended from Israel uh, another name for Jacob was in one sense a member of the people of God but of course many many of them didn't believe yeah. so in another sense they were not truly a part of the covenant community so um, and you see that throughout right you yeah. see that throughout the old Old Testament um, those kinds of things happen yeah here I have some verses that I got pulled up so Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Deuteronomy 10, 14 through 16. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is to this day. So circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. Uh, finally, Jeremiah 4.4, 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. Men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire and burn and none to quench it because the, of the evil of your deeds. And so we see this sense where 
he's ta- all those verses are talking to circumcised people, right? They're talking to Jewish people. But there was a sense that, hey, your physical circumcision needs to reflect an inward reality of the circumcision of your heart. You know, the, 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 the physical circumcision in no way is effective to circumcise the heart. That needs to, that needs to happen. And that's, ultimately, it's Christ who does that for people. But you know, there was that, that sense of like, you know, you don't, don't harden yourselves. Be circumcised of heart. You know, don't just say, you know, you know like the Pharisees are, was it, was it Jesus' condemnation? Of the Pharisees, or maybe John the Baptist was like, you know, don't say we have Abraham as our father. You know, yeah, he's Jesus. he's able to, yeah. Thank John eight. You. Yep. Um, you know, he's able to raise sons from you know, of Abraham from these stones, right? It's not enough to just be like, oh yeah, we have the covenant sign and seal, like physically. It's like it needs to be a spiritual reality. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, the Rhodes uses that to then create three categories in the new covenants and he calls them non-christians so people who don't even purport to be christians people who aren't in churches they're not christians he says there's such a thing as covenant keepers who are the people who genuinely profess faith and yeah. and like and i said have the yes spiritual reality that that points to but then of course finally he uses that other category which uh it sounds like my presbyterian friends would call the in or the visible church excuse me who are not part of the invisible church and this is the covenant breaker is the nomenclature that it chooses to use and that would that would refer to the people in hebrew 6 um, yeah. that uh, appear by all measurable standards to be a part of the body, yeah. and yet uh, on the last day will be proved to have not been. Yeah. Yeah, I was really struck actually thinking about um, where he, he mentions, you know, like somebody could be um, a part of the visible people, God, be a Judas, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. like clearly walking with with um, Christ, being given the commands yeah. of Christ, yeah. even, even like doing miracles, even doing yeah. miracles yeah. Um, because of the... the the relationship that he has to um, Christ outwardly, right. um, while all the while being one who was going to betray, one who was stealing, one who was a thief, um, and even communing with him in the sense, like I mean, he quite literally receives communion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet, there's that warning. And what it just made me think is the importance of of uh, warning people as they come to the table mm-hmm. of the Lord, as we yeah. partake of the Lord's yep. Supper, yep. Um, using that as an opportunity to warn people, which we do, um, yeah. uh, at, you know, usually anyway, mm-hmm. uh, when we when we do the Lord's Supper. But it just made quick, me think. Quick question: on that. Do you guys yeah. practice members only communion or no? No. So we have. Uh, so we practice um, what is a. It's not a closed communion completely, where it's only mm-hmm. members. Right. Um, but we do fence the table in the yeah. sense that we yep. tell I people. Yeah, if like if you're this is if, dangerous. If you're yeah. a professed believer and you've been baptized and you're not under some kind of discipline that says you shouldn't come to the table, right. you can come. Enjoy, even it. if you're not yep. right. Even if you're not a member of our church, that's okay. But um, but if yeah. you're not those things, then we like you shouldn't come. It's dangerous. It is yeah. dangerous, and it actually is to eat and drink judgment upon yourself. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's you know I just thought of that in a way yeah. that you know I've thought of that before, um, and I've even used you know the the story of Judas as a warning uh, at the table but for whatever reason in reading this this morning yeah. <laughs> right before you yeah. guys came yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just really struck by it uh, yeah. just really hit by that reality like yeah, yeah. yeah. like just thinking about it. I've thought um, there's a great uh, great song um, called Iscariot by a band called they were called Bison I think they changed their name to the last Bison and I'm not Dude. sure <laughs> Yeah, I can remember your brother played nonstop. Yes. What's the song that was on nonstop for a summer? Uh, some was, oh Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. Oh my god, great song, right? Great yeah, great song. Great. Okay, so okay. I recently was reacquainted with this band and, and <laughs> thought about them again and listened We're to the it. Last We're the last so, We're not But last there's a song called Iscariot, Iscariot. Uh, that they have that's all about Judas, and it's um, and much of it is uh, oh. you know there's a there's kind of a refrain in it, um, for instance that that says. Uh, where, where you have this, you have to go listen to it. I don't know that you can find it except on YouTube. Uh, maybe you can find it elsewise. I'm not seeing it look on, on Spotify. Look on, yeah, because I think they stopped playing it or they kept it away. I don't. It's intense. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that um, I could imagine as a band gets more popular. 
that they're like, oh, we don't really want people listening to that one anymore. But it's phenomenal. It's their best song, hands down. Uh, it is not. Go on YouTube. Uh, yeah, no, I'm on YouTube. Yep. It is Search not on for, any of their own it's not. stuff. No. It's like a Somebody bunch of like it. random yes. background. So I'll, I'm screenshotting and I'll listen to it later. No, but seriously, yeah. listen to it. I'm so, I listen to this song and seriously, it will like make me weep. I was listening to it recently. Mm. I was just reminded of this band and I found this song because I remembered it. And I was just like, I was like making lunch with a couple of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I just started to weep. Mm. And my son Hatton loves this song. He heard mm. it. He just really liked it. And I, he was asking me about just it. Just like, like the melody it about? and the tune? And, yeah. Okay. The melody and the tune is really, uh, is really strong. Mm. And, and it's beautiful. But there's this sense throughout of, of uh, both like, like there's, there's like an element of joy, but it's all somber. Like it's all dark. Yeah. And... Um, so it's um, the, the chorus goes Iscariot, Iscariot The devil has you now You're set up for betrayal Iscariot, uh, Iscariot um, And there's this refrain Where it is basically Christ saying uh, Saying, you know I have used your unbelief To set my people free So die now, my Judas And in the song he says my Judas And not to say he's Say like it's clear, like he's mm-hmm. the villain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I did think, like in listening to this, I thought about Christ communing Judas. Right. right. Like here he is, um, on you know having having been with Christ for three years, right. having yeah. done all this. Jesus, all the while knowing that right. this is the one right. who's going to betray me. Yeah. And thinking about um, how he washes disciples' feet mm-hmm. and he washes Judas's feet, right. Right. and. Uh, just thinking about those moments uh, in the song too it says uh, you know one time it has the line that you know your kiss tastes like a crown of thorns mm. um, it's just it's a strange they a Christian band? I, they were Christians oh I understand of some kind I see <laughs> I don't know what like where that very went, yeah. right very possibly they continue to be and very possibly they got more popular <laughs> and didn't <laughs> gotcha or <laughs> deconstructed is, or whatever yeah, right I don't true. so I don't know um if they continued or not okay. and so um, so hopefully I mean hopefully they did yeah, cool. but that song I think is actually phenomenal awesome. in, trying, yeah. in representing well mm. um, the heart of Christ even towards Judas and um, in just a beautiful poetic way awesome um, but I, yeah I was just struck by this um, thinking about um, Christ clear like, like there is an element uh, clearly of connection of a talent of love and yet, this is a covenant breaker. Right? Yeah. This is one who is uh, going to betray him. Mm-hmm. And clearly, Paul uses that motif later on um, to talk about those who eat and drink judgment on themselves. Right? That becomes, uh, I think, uh, just instilled in the fact that, hey, you can take communion and not be receiving the spiritual reality that it points to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is really good. I've only got 10 minutes before I need to leave. I've got another meeting uh, on the other side of town. But here was a question I wanted to ask you, Pato Baptists. Just curious here. You guys. Um, <laughs> you say Christians. Yes. <laughs> so you evolved state of Christians. Um, yeah. Answer, riddle me this. So, um, yeah, he on page, I think it was 153, uh, uses Second Peter 2.1. And uh, he references it as even denying the master who bought them. This is about the, the um, false teachers, the uh, wolves here, or false prophets specifically. Um, and he points out that word that the master had bought them. Uh, and I, I, like a good Christian, BLB'd this thing. I looked at the Blue Letter Bible, sure enough, no dispute about it. Everywhere this is used in the New Testament, this is purchased. It's, it's bought. Yeah. Um, and this is what he, you know, Rhodes uses this later as like a, a formative argument for which a Presbyterian can say confidently, yeah, we can baptize people not knowing whether or not they're going to persevere as Christians. And, and just look at this. Here's the thing, though, that I'm curious on your thoughts on. We just talked about definite or limited atonement a couple weeks ago. How does that wrestle with this? Because I was just, I was just informed, and of course I, I do believe this, but I was just informed that um, Christ's blood certainly saves the people. It doesn't maybe save the people. So it's, yeah, help me understand why that's not counter to this from a Presbyterian's perspective saying this is, you know, how we remedy this to infant baptism. Yep. Um, 
So this is why he brings up that distinction between the visible and invisible church, mm-hmm. that there is a sense in which Christ, um, even through his blood, has purchased a, a visible people, is in covenant with a visible people. Um, but the, the, the ultimate reality, when we talk about limited atonement, we're talking about the spiritual reality, right? We, we're talking about that on that level. Um, just like, uh, you know, again, in a sense, you know, we would say, obviously Judas had a direct connection to Christ. Um, Christ literally shares his blood with Judas, right? Because mm-hmm. Jesus says, right, this is my blood. And so he has them drink it uh, on, on the, on the uh, night in which he was betrayed. Mm-hmm. And so um, clearly Judas partakes of something, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he is in communion with Christ in some way, mm-hmm. but not in the deepest and most important way. Right, like not in the way that that over and over Scripture obviously calls people to, even people within that church, within within that, and so um, that's the dis- that's why that like visible invisible church distinction is so important. Um, but Scripture does use that language of there are right. people who, you know, in some sense, belong to Christ, um, purchased by His blood, bought by you know bought by Him. Now we have to be able to say that that has to be able to mean something other than he died for them in the ultimate sense, right? In in the way that we generally use that language, mm-hmm. um, because other then we have to otherwise we have to accept that okay, no, some people he truly died for will walk away, um, truly died for again in the sense that that he has he has. Um, completely given them the full and total spiritual reality of what you know what he's accomplished. Mm. Um, they are his sheep, um, but we do like it's it's clear that there are some who are have that that third category. I mean, connection to him in a certain way. Um, even you know, I, this is why I think the the image of Judas is so helpful because um, he's he's there the whole time. He walks with Jesus. He even does ministry. Mm-hmm with the authority of Jesus casting out demons and things mm-hmm. and yet he still denies Christ and yet he still leaves sure. um, and so he goes out from us uh, because he was not one of us right he, I understand um, so that I would just put in a similar category um, as that so it's it's to use the language in different ways right gotcha. it's to uh, to differentiate those things but I have trouble knowing how you deal with that otherwise right like yeah I, yeah no I, and that's so I, I'm not sure how I'd wrestle with that um but what I'm hearing you say really clearly is um, there are different tiers of subscription we can have to the Jesus bloodline. You can have the $9.99 silver package, which is what Judas got, or the $14.99 gold package, which is what we have. So, okay, that's – no, no, I'm kidding. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, no, that, that is interesting. I'm not sure how to wrestle through that. Yeah. But it does, it does feel weird to me to create this distinction and tier of the efficacy of Christ's blood. Like to say – it doesn't purchase anything for the non-Christian, but for the covenant breaker, there's a degree of purchase happening. It's just not full. Yeah, it makes me feel. I don't know. I yeah. have to dig into it. I just it. think it's there, right? Like, sure. So I, I, I think it's. Well, it's you got to answer. It. Yeah. So here's yeah. the thing: is you know, if we if we hold to the the five points of Calvinism, right? Like total total depravity, unconditional election, definite atonement. Two dip. Yeah, two dip. It's a better, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, effectual going, uh-huh. effectual going, and then perseverance or preservation of the saints. Then you come to something like Hebrews six. It's like how do you how do you reconcile Hebrews six with the P, the, the preservation of the saints? Because it's like yeah, what would like, you say to just like, like a so like if, if you were to look into your sure. classical yeah. Wayne Grudem systematic theology on the shelf, or if yeah. you look at your ESV study Bible next to it, yeah. both of them are going to say, well, the argument that they would make is these are people who are in the church but not truly in the church so they again essentially yeah. using a without the same vernacular the same idea yeah. um, right there's but, a sense that well but that it just indicates that I think that there's a sense in which again people are members of the covenant just like in Israel we see this all the time right there's there were so many in Israel and the ethnic Jewish nation throughout the Old Testament that were in the covenant community but obviously did not you know sure. were not yeah, I think for yeah. me the challenge just comes down to how we define in the community. Because, like, in my mind, I think it's really easy for me to just say, no, 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 they said they were in the community. The apostate says he's a part of the church, but he's not actually part of the church. Versus, it sounds like what I'm hearing here yeah. is, no, 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 they really are a part of the church. It's just 
it's a different it's a different tier. They're a part of the visible church, but not a part of this right. secondary. Which, yeah, I don't. Maybe it's all just semantics yeah. at this point. Because yeah. like, I, right. it sounds like they're arguing the same thing. But, it's it's very yeah. similar, right? Yeah. It is very similar. I do think that there is a tendency to want to say, well, the like, you know, to define the church as the invisible church, the mm-hmm. like the universal right. church, the yep. uh, like those who are truly yep. the ones who will persevere in communion yeah. with Christ, who will persevere. Right. Um, but to to try to say that the visible church today is going to be like that. Sure. Um, I think basically, like, so basically to, you know, to try to say, well, we want to have regenerate church membership mm-hmm. um, is, I think the problem is it's basically an over-realized eschatology, yeah. right? It is to say, mm. well, we're in that final day where we can have the, like, what it's going to be in heaven yeah. um, when all things that are invisible are made visible. And I think, I think you're unwittingly trying to acquire knowledge that only God has because Ooh. you're, because you're saying, Okay, we know that you know everybody in the church because you know they, they were baptized believers baptism, they are actually saved. Where it's like, but only God knows the heart, and how many people have been believers baptized, and oh yeah yeah and have, sure. have fallen away and have turned away. It's it's saying like oh well, we know we can know everyone is truly saved in our churches. Do you think you could sense? find a Baptist, like a reasonable Baptist yeah. who would actually say that? I don't think, no, no, I think, I don't that's think so, a bit of a straw man in my mind. Yeah. Like, I don't think, in my mind, when I, in the circles that I swim, yeah. the, the people asking those questions are able to say, no, no, we just want to be yeah. faithful. We just want to do yeah, 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 what yeah. we can, recognizing, <clears throat> I'm not going to know for sure whether or not you across, I just had a, a conversation yeah. uh, with a, a woman uh, last, this week mm-hmm. who wants to get baptized and saying, yeah. hey, I, I, I know that I can't know for sure but I do think that it's, and a Presbyterian would yeah. agree with this, it's it's my due diligence that I don't want to baptize you. I don't want you to be a member of our church if, yeah. Yeah, by yeah. all reasonable metrics, by all visible metrics, you're not a part of this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Do you yeah. like how I use the word visible there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is where the the question becomes, right, who is yeah. visibly, mm-hmm. like, who, who do we take to be a part of that visible people? Mm. Is, it, um, is it purely upon... Uh, Personal profession, personal individual faith. profession, individual yeah. like life, right? Yep, and yep. and the fruit of that life, um, or is there other signs that we're supposed to take um, that somebody is a part of the visible people of God? Because I think you're right, and I, I you know, I, you know, it, even uh, I think you know what Andrew's saying is not uh, is not to say that anybody maybe specifically believes this sure but the logical extension of sure. something like regenerative church membership is well you have to in some sense be able to God obviously we know we can't do that we yeah. all agree we yeah. can't do that I mean so either way we're all taking we're taking something uh, just to be clear outside of outside of children you would yeah. uh, your church subscribes to regenerative yes. church membership yeah, yeah. right yeah. not regenerative church membership um, we subscribe to like if, if somebody's going to be baptized they do have to profess faith mm-hmm. right so um, so we have to take a valid profession of faith for somebody who is outside of the covenant people. The question is just, what do you do with people that are born in the church? Mm-hmm. They are a part, like they are, uh, like they're in it in a sense. Um, what do you do with them? Um, where there's never a point where they they are, like, are outside of it, yeah. right? Uh, and so that, you know, a lot of this comes down to just like, what is the nature, again, what is the nature mm-hmm. of of the church and how much of what is visible is also um, effectual how much can we speak of these two things in the same way mm-hmm. and um, I think that's probably why Rhodes starts with yeah with look sometimes when churches use it it is speaking yeah. right. generally yep, yep. Um, but it can also mean the specific local visible people right yeah. and he can speak to all of them yeah. as though they are the church yeah. right um, without you know sometimes without having met them yeah. right right and so what what I think that shows is that there's some kind of, of clear um, effectual connection to the actual visible local people right, right. Uh, to to that. Um, to that church uh, that we have to take seriously um, outside of just personal mm-hmm. you know person where you are at personally or something mm-hmm. like that sure um, yeah. so yeah, yeah thanks for clarifying I, did, I wasn't saying that you know, no, no, there's yeah. people and that I actually figured, believe yeah, yeah. that yeah. I was just saying that that logical conclusion that like, right. we only have regenerate church membership it's like well that's really only right because there's there's people 
within the visible church, even we see in the New Testament, like in First John, where it talks about they, you know, they were with, they went out from us, right? So there was a time where they're like, yes, they're they're in the church, right? They're part of the community, but then we see them leave because then it really indicates they were never truly mm-hmm. a part of the, the invisible church, right. as it were. You know what I mean? Sure. But even for a time, well, they were in the visible community of believers. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Appreciate you guys both a ton. I do need to roll a yeah, rock. Yeah, I probably should get going um, too. Oh, you guys got to finish the chapter though. Otherwise, oh. unless uh, I think I postpone it. To, uh, the Lord's Supper is great. Partake <laughs> <laughs> if you were to recommend it yep. for those who are baptized and yeah. uh, have professor faith. <laughs> but just to be clear, you guys would not allow like a four-year-old wouldn't be taking communion at. No. No, yeah, we no. It's only we, half the say we don't practice pedo communion. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep on digging. Right. No yeah. pedo communion. No, but um, this is, I mean, it's a good point, right? That the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper and baptism are different in yeah. that um, the Lord's Supper is actually what, a little bit closer to actually what a lot of Baptists think mm-hmm. baptism is. Sure. Um, it actually does uh, connect to mm-hmm. personal profession of faith mm-hmm. and regular walking in communion mm-hmm. with Christ. Yep. And where you have fallen away from that, yeah. there is a point at which yeah. you should no longer be able to take right. the Lord's Supper. Right. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that was uh, huge for me, I just made this last point so you can get out of here, Jason. But, uh, <laughs> You're good. Um, <clears throat> where I was like, it seems to be that baptism, you know, as I'm reading the Bible and kind of coming to like the Pago Baptist understanding, is it baptism something that is done to you, whereas the Lord's Supper is something you consciously partake in? If that makes, if that yeah, makes right. There's a both element, right? There's a both it is element. something where God is still speaking and doing something, but yeah. you are involved in a way that you're not in baptism because yeah, baptism yeah. is always something that yeah happens to you, right? You are baptized. You're passive. You're yeah. a passive recipient. Yeah. Um, whereas when it comes to the Lord's Supper, you yeah. take, eat, remember, yeah. believe, discern, judge. Yeah, you have an part to you do a lot more, right? Yeah. You're much more involved, and so we do. There would be that distinction, right? Yeah. No. Uh, maybe we, maybe we just do an episode where we. After we're done with the chapter, we just kind of have all the questions pent up <laughs> from the book. Well, my nail in the coffin argument for which I am still a credo Baptist. The end of chapter 10's episode is, and this is gonna this is gonna get all you, John the Baptist, not John the Presbyterian. Let's <laughs> yeah, uh, see you guys. Blessings, <laughs> <laughs> brother. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. You knew it was coming. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs>